Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Yeah, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. So, busy, 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 busy weekend coming up. Um, Father's Day is Sunday. Uh, We also have Juneteenth this weekend, so, you know, a lot of stuff going on this weekend. It's also, just don't forget, it's uh, Black Music Month. We are planning on getting some folks on here to celebrate that as well. But, you know, we tend to let that get kind of lost in the shuffle, and we're trying not to have that happen. So um, we today are celebrating Father's Day in advance. We're going to talk a little bit about dads. And um, if you are a dad and want to share your story uh, or your comment, it's 516-387-1944 is the number. If you want to talk about your dad, um, 516-387-1944, that's the number. But we are sharing this time with uh, one of our uh, favorite guests. We're bringing him back. Um, he, he's just kind of master of a variety of, of uh, topics. and um, But we, I'm going to also talk a little bit about his personal experience, too. Dr. Kenneth Sean Chaplin joins us today. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. Good morning, G. How is everything with you? Good to have you on. Yeah, yeah. Good, good to have you on. Thanks, thanks for taking the time out today. So I know you're busy, so let's get right to it. Um, first of all, let's just jump to, and we're going to talk more about this later. But let's just jump to some some quick basic questions. What's the gift you don't want? Uh, <laughs> well, well, since I'm since I'm a, a newly minted father. Uh, there's not much I would refuse. I'll, I'll take the uh, the argyle socks and the sweater vest that matches. Uh, you know, I'll take a, another tie, I suppose. And uh, you know, all that comes with those corny dollar store gifts that, of course, their allowance allows them to afford. So I'm right. I'm okay with that because. Uh, you know, if they have a few dollars and they want to spend a dollar or two on dad, that's a significant percentile of their of their savings. So it's greatly okay. appreciated. Uh, okay. So uh, tell, you know, old, tell me old, about. I will tell you. Tell me. Tell me about yeah. you and being. Tell me about you and being a dad. How many kids do you have, and what ages are they? And okay. I have uh, two boys. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Uh, so oh, wow. the three the three year old is is talking up a storm. Uh, the one year old 
hasn't said much of anything, kind of points to things and yells. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's able to communicate effectively if I'm uh, sensitive towards his needs. Uh, so okay. uh, just two boys, no girls. Okay. And, uh, All right. With my wife. All right. Uh, uh-huh. so, so now... Tell me a little bit, uh, you know, and you don't have to go into a lot of details. I'm not trying to get up all in your business. But just curious, when you, with the, you know, because, because you're a newly minted father, um, mm-hmm. what kind of advice did you get when you uh, first announced you were going to be a father? And uh, what kind of advice did you seek out? Uh, well, um, I would say the, the advice that I got was the, I suppose for my mother, her biblical training was to be slow to wrath, uh, slow to anger, as of course my father my father was that way with me. And so uh, to exercise a little bit more patience, not because, uh, not because my children now are trying to do things against my desire and my will, they're just simply unaware of the dangers around them. So when I tell them no, they're not being rebellious to say, no, I don't want to do it what you're telling me to do, they simply do not know why I'm telling them no. They cannot see or understand why I'm telling them no. So they're just doing as they do. So to be patient and be, try to be understanding with where they're on uh, is one of the things that I constantly try to reflect on. Um, and of course, also I was told, becoming a father, be more patient with your wife. Um, she feels uh, a different burden than I do, that burden of, of course, um, providing for the child in terms of her nutrition, um, what she's giving, and, and since both were breastfed, of course, men might not know this, but that makes women very tired of constantly uh, producing milk and being drained of, of the milk. So patients all around, both with myself and with my children, uh, to be slow to, to anger, uh, slow to wrath. Um, all, all of those things, uh, I think, are wise advice that I've been given. So um, let me ask this, because you, uh, one of the things you, you deal with uh, as part of your profession is um, criminology and a variety of other things, and like you said, you are just starting out, but you you already kind of have a sense of the challenges that um, young boys, and especially young uh, African American boys, face out there. What are you really trying to prepare your sons for? What are the challenges that you are concerned about? Uh, some of the things that really um, I'm aware of is probably their desire to assimilate, the desire to be normative in a context in which they appear non-normative in terms of their racial histories and, of course, their cultural heritage. So uh, to have them be proud of who they are, how they look, the kind of food that they eat, and the way that they think, uh, to exercise that sense of strength in the face of, you know, uh, sort of opposition in terms of breaking them down to be more like mainstream individuals, uh, that's something I guess I would say I'm concerned about 
Um, mm-hmm. The other, the other thing I suppose is that um, concerned about how they interpret right and wrong, and the, the reasons and the ways in which that they hopefully will do justice and good for justice and good's sake and not do it for any sort of uh, extrinsic reward, right? And I don't want them to follow rules just because rules uh, allow for people to have rewards, but follow certain mm-hmm. rules because it's in justice with humanity and justice with, of course, uh, understanding of divine godly principles. All of those things are virtues in and of themselves. And so if they can internalize that, that to do good, to be kind, to exercise patience and humility, uh, all of that in itself uh, as an intrinsic value is much more important to me than it is uh, receiving some sort of external reward. So, um, those two things, to grow in their faith, to be encouraged, uh, to not shy away from, at least at a particular point, not shy away from uncomfortable confrontation, to be able to stand their ground and also to be open-minded. Uh, I guess uh, I'm asking a lot for a three-year-old and a one-year-old, uh, mm-hmm. but, 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 but for now, uh, you know, to uh, heed their parents' warnings and advice and to understand that we don't say no because we don't love them and we want to rob them of their fun. We say no because we're trying to protect them. And if they believe and understand that we love them and we have their best interest, uh, that hopefully will allow them to say, well, I'll follow mommy and daddy uh, because um, they love me and they have my interest at heart and they wouldn't tell me no if they didn't think it was better for me. So, um, but that's that's you where I am with the, you, the yes and the no's and no more popsicles for dinner, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't eat pudding for dinner, right? So that's where right. I am. You mentioned kind, which is not a word that you necessarily associate with something that you try to teach a, a young man. You know, we always mm-hmm. think about, you know, young men should be tough, young men should be. Um, you know, a, a lot of different things. Kind is not necessarily a word that you associate say, associate with, you know, a, a quality in a young man. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a good thing. It's something right, that right. Uh, the the it seems like a young a uh, uh, young man, uh, you know, or, or uh, even an older man, when when there is a certain amount of kindness show shown that. At, person to me actually almost has to go overboard with it in order for it to be a descriptive uh, uh, mm-hmm. na- name associated with that person, with that man. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, why, why is kindness? Um, and I think we should be kind. I think kindness should be taught. Not just, I mean, not with men. I mean, we've gotten to the point now where we are, almost teaching our young ladies that, you know, kindness is a weakness, I think. And I think Uh, I I really would like to see kindness as more of a trait that we encourage and nurture in men and women. Uh, But tell me why that's important to you. 
you know. Yeah. So uh, there are people that are nice, right? They're nice because right. sometimes they want something. It's, it's, it's as as my mother and my father in their, of course, biblical training. Uh, they've said, you know, people are happy, but do they have joy in their life, right? Different different mm-hmm. ways of understanding what joy is in the midst of sorrow and suffering and tribulation versus you're happy, you're not happy, right? Sort of a fleeting moment of uh, sort of uh, emotional response. So when I think of kind, they can be nice to people they know, their friends, but you can be kind. It, it breeds to me some sort of empathy and sympathy that while you may not understand, you could still possibly help or fulfill a need. And the kind is coming from a position of thoughtfulness and, and being much more open to seeing others and seeing oneself in another, right? So kind, I think that's a very important underrated attribute. And when you're talking, of course, about men of color, it may come off as weakness, but I'll leave the structures of society to know that they are going to build up my young boys of color with a sort of stereotype of being masculine and and and, uh, and tough and all of those things. I know that's coming. That daddy doesn't have to reinforce that. It, their peers will reinforce that. The way in which their teachers will look at them will reinforce things, that, things that perhaps they haven't even observed, but are characteristic of what they perceive to be in my children. Right. So, so all the masculine and hypermasculine traits. I know that's coming. I know my boys will have to deal with that. If they can deal with that effectively and still demonstrate kindness, not as a weakness, but as a quality of one's empathy, I think, uh, I think that, that is a, uh, an outstanding kind of character, right? So, and, and again, it goes deeper to character if one is kind rather than if one is nice, right? You know, you can be nice or you can be nasty or you can not be, right? So, um, um, kindness to me is um, uh, very important uh, to me and to my and to my wife. Right? Um, uh, wh- what I what I go, go ahead, ahead, please. No, no, please. Go I ahead. was I, I was thinking that uh, in celebrating Father's Day, I was sort of doing a little research, and it's, um, what's interesting is that in this country, it's very patriarchal. Men of color oftentimes have been robbed of the opportunity to actually mm-hmm. exercise patriarchy right? and exercise loving kindness and protection and provision over a family, right? So mm-hmm. um, and, and being able to build on that void of uh, patriarchal reality uh, becomes a concern. So I can say that I'm first generation that is sort of in this country that's sort of building a family, looking at providing and protecting for my sons and my wife, also building with me, helping me, providing for me and providing for my sons. We are very much partners, and so um, it's important that they recognize and seek kindness between uh, the two of us, um, but also that they are kind to one another, right? There's, there's nothing worse sometimes than, than to have siblings fight and uh, we say in, in Jamaica, Jamaican culture, when they fight when they're young, that means they're going to be close when they're older. But, uh, you know, sometimes a feud is never resolved, and they can be at odds uh, for years. 
and you would just not you would hope that that would not be the case. So if they can be kind and think about one another, um, especially being two years apart, I think that's important. How they treat one another as siblings uh, is important. So. We are talking fatherhood with Dr. Uh, Kenneth Sean Taplin of John Carroll University. And if you have questions or comments about fatherhood, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast, let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are talking fatherhood. Father's Day is Sunday. And for those that forget, just remember it's the third Sunday of June. It does not change, not as far as I know. (laughs) I have to keep reminding people, Mother's Day, second Sunday in May, Father's Day, third Sunday in June. It's not hard. Um, but we're back here with Dr. Kenneth Sean Chaplin. If you have questions or comments, you want to join the conversation on, you know, fatherhood, you know, you have some advice, you have some stories you want to share, um, questions, the number is 516-387-1944. What um, lessons that you remember from your childhood, from your father? Uh, that you are carrying forward, you know, good and bad? Um, I would probably say um, his commitment, his godly commitment um, to memorizing and trying to practice God's word. Uh, I remember when I, when I was a little bit older in high school, I used to play sports and um, when um, the season was out. I used to come home from high school, get dressed, play ball. When school let out at 2.45, I would be at the park at 3.15 with a bunch of my friends until 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night. Uh, we run ball for five or six hours. and Occasionally, um, I'd wait for my mother or father to drop me off at the park, and my mother would drop me off sometimes, and I'd see my father at his desk about 5.15, 5.30 after he came home from work, and he'd be reading his Bible. And after I came from playing ball, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, I would still see him at that desk reading his Bible. <laughs> and I'd ask him all the time, are you still reading your Bible? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm just, you know, looking at some things. And I, I had no idea 
uh, why he would read it over and over and over until uh, until sometimes I would tease him and I would, you know, kind of play with him. I'd take it away. I'd put my finger in the page. And I'd, tell, I'd say, what's the last thing you read? And uh, he would tell me what it was. And I'd be like, so what happens next? And he could, for years, he could tell me uh, verse after verse after verse. Um, oftentimes he was able to recite it. But, but if he couldn't recite it, he gave a very good paraphrase of what was happening and what would lead into the next chapter. So, but he was committed to um, to learning God's word uh, and to trying to apply it. So, all of that manifests itself in all kinds of lessons in the way in which he behaved, um, the way in which he interacted with other people. Uh, I remember he wasn't much of a talker, so my father was silent a lot and so he had friends that would call they'd call my dad a friend uh, but when they'd see him they they were very formal because uh, my father was uh, you know kind of a formal quiet type and his friends would say hey Mr. Chaplin how are you doing and I used to say dad why why did they call you Mr. Chaplin uh, you know I thought you said that's your friend he's like oh yeah yeah that's a friend and stuff. but they were they were friendly with my father, and they confided in my father. And even though they were on the same sort of peer level, I learned over time there was a great respect that they had for my father simply because he didn't run his mouth. He actually didn't say much, and much of what he said was in great wisdom and in great thought. So um, even among his peers, uh, they called him Mr. Chaplin all the time, which I thought was funny, but... Um, I later came to understand that uh, it had great admiration and respect for uh, for his advice and all that he said. So I think that sticks with me. Um, other memories that stick with me is my father on Saturday morning waking me up saying, let's go fishing. And we would go down to the pier, Fort Lauderdale. And I must have been about seven, eight, or nine. And we would do that all the way up until some of my late teens. And we would fish in silence for hours and uh, I'd ask him questions. And as I got older, I'd ask him questions about girls, about being in love. And he would always, always, uh, he'd always smile and uh, he'd look at me and he'd say, "Um, you don't need to worry about that. You need to focus on your books, focus on your studies, which I, which I have. but he was always he was always putting me off and telling me, you don't need to worry about that right now. I said, have you ever been in love? And once I got it out of him, uh, he said, yes. And, and I asked him, I said, do you remember when I you met my, when you met Mommy? He said, yes, I remember. And uh, <laughs> I said, what was she wearing? You remember? And, you know, he pretended like he didn't. He was, you know, fishing. And then about 10 minutes later, he came over and he told me she was wearing a blue dress when I met her. <laughs> and I said, all right, okay, okay. Um, but it's those kind of things that he was wise about how much he wanted to tell me and what he remembered uh, about his life and important moments in his life and how he was careful not to tell me too much because I would find out. And I remember I remember what my wife was marrying with. Uh, wearing when I met her, um, 
you know, you don't think about it, but you just remember the moment. And uh, mm-hmm. as he did, now, now I could see uh, and understand what what all that was about. So, but uh, fishing with him early in the morning till midday on Saturdays, and, you know, just time that we spent together, uh, you know, fishing in silence, oftentimes, and me prodding him to find out more about who he was as a person. Uh, you know what what he did if he had any regrets in life um he wanted any more kids uh you know if if he chose if the path that he chose as a profession was was something that he would choose again uh you know just and so this this happened from six years old up to thirty plus years uh and as as I got older, I would come in and I would wake him up and I'd say, "Let's go fishing." Uh, he would be a little excited. He was much older, but he would be excited uh, that I would take him fishing. Right? He would take me fishing, but as we got older, I would take him fishing. I said, I got the car packed up already. I got snacks. I got the bait. We could buy some more live bait when we get mm-hmm. there. And, and I had done it all uh, in preparation mm-hmm. to, to, for him to go fishing in the morning. So uh, yeah, there was some memories. So, I you know, my I was an only child, so my dad didn't have the, the we didn't have the fishing stories per se. I mean, it, it, but we had other things like I remember the <laughs> the only time I really was interested in baseball was uh, when I was growing up with him, and I was telling somebody the other day about. Uh, in fact, I think Princess and I were talking about it, um, Cincinnati Red. And I don't know mm-hmm. why that's one of the memories that stuck with me, but we would watch the Cincinnati Reds, and at that time they had, you know, uh, this great team. They had uh, uh, Johnny Bench, Dave Concepcion, and uh, George Foster, mm-hmm. and um, Princess could tell you the rest of it. They were, they were, it was a really, really good time, team. And we would sit up and watch it. I, I, so, you know, I mean, I, I guess I was a, a little bit of a tomboy, uh, but, you know, it was the way that we – you know, shared time together, and then um, we also uh, watched football. That's how, how I got interested in football mm-hmm. uh, for for many many years. Um, you know, way back when we Florida only had the one team, we had the Dolphins. But you know, mm-hmm. we were watching we were watching the game and supporting the Dolphins. Um, <laughs> but yeah. then also too, you know, there were things that I. I guess it's a little bit different with, with a son versus a daughter because there are things that, you know, I think he, he didn't either know how to talk about with me or want to talk about with me or, you know, so things were kind of, there were times when conversations were, I guess, a little bit awkward, but at, mm-hmm. at the same time, <laughs> you know, and I also remember, and I almost kind of regretted it, but I remember talking to my mom. I said, you know, and I because I knew my dad loved me. There was never a question about that. But he wasn't like you were saying. You, you, and you know how women are. We we got to talk about your feelings, right? Um, I don't didn't remember in early years him ever really saying that he loved me. I didn't doubt that he loved me, but I just didn't remember mm-hmm. him saying it. And so mm-hmm. the the when I do remember saying it, him saying it. I was like, oh, dang, she went back and told him. 
him. And this is so awkward. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it didn't seem natural at first for a long time. Um, but like I said, I knew there there was never mm-hmm. any doubt about his love for me. You know, and I always said, like, when I was growing up and stuff like that, that dad was, like, the best date. Because we would mm-hmm. do stuff like go to concerts and stuff together sometime, you know, um, wow. and, and uh, like Clearwater has a jazz festival every October. And I lived mm-hmm. in Tampa for a while after I graduated. I went to school there. And he would come over and hang out. You know, we'd go to Coachman Park in Clearwater, you know, me and him or me and him and friends, you know, or whatever. And my dad was one of those people, like, everybody liked. He was He was mm-hmm. kind of a cool dad. Um, he was the carpool dad, actually. He, you know, when I got older and I was in band, he would uh, be, you know, part of the carpool uh, system where that would take take us to the games, to play in the marching mm-hmm. band and stuff like that. So, you know, because my mom was the person in the early years, that I, you know, and I was a product of, you know, older parents. So, you know, when they were in their like late thirties when I came around, so. But so they switched off. She started early years. He started in later years, and he was taking me to, to uh, you know, like I said, the games and stuff like that. Um, and then, like I said, we would, and you know, we would have uh, uh, my girlfriends would say, "Oh, your dad has." He had like this resonant voice. She was like, mm-hmm. "Your dad has a nice voice," <laughs> you know. And the girls loved him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And then the guys are like, your dad was so cool, you know, because he always was trying to be hip, you know, hang, mm-hmm. hanging out and chatting with him and everything. But what what everybody didn't know that he was feeling out the situation. So when he got home, he got the Inquisition from mom mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of yeah. what was going on with me while I was out there. You know, so you know, is she, you know, is she really doing this? Is she doing that? You know, what, you know, you know, what are, the, you know, what are friends like, and all this kind of stuff. So you know, he, he was, he was hanging out. He was great. I always said he was the best date because he was always clean. He always smelled nice. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about, <laughs> about what kind of date he was going to be when he went out. Because yeah, a lot of times, you know, it's like, hey, I got this coming up. You want to go? You know, and it wasn't a matter of I could necessarily get anybody else, although I probably, you know, that was debatable, you know, because like I said, it just depends on, you know, but if he was in town, because he did he do some, like, freelance work over in Tampa, uh-huh. if he was in town, I'm like, hey, I'm going to this, you want to go? You know, and we just went, and I never thought about it. So, that is great. That is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I know that um, sometimes uh, kids can be embarrassed by their parents appearance right and so mm-hmm. they're like oh here comes my dad he's wearing his boxer shorts <laughs> you know he's like get in the car I not, i'm not prepared to get out of the car and then you know if he gets mad he gets out oh, of the car yeah. like why is your dad wearing polka dot boxer shorts to school <laughs> right, right? So, so it's, you know, it's those kind of things that that kids are like oh my goodness dad just stay in the car don't get out the car you know mom stay in the car don't say anything uh so uh, i never had that good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I never had some, that with them. Par- there's some parents that drop their kids off that they are wearing their robe, right? I remember mm-hmm. seeing in high school 
And they're like, listen, you're late. I need to take you now. And so, mm-hmm. again, they're not prepared to get out of the vehicle. And I'm like, who is that? They're like, oh, that's my mom. Don't worry. Don't, you know, don't, don't, don't look at the car. Don't look at her. Just, I'm like, <laughs> did she just wake up? Yeah, she just don't want to. She just, you know, <laughs> you know it's that kind of stuff that you, you'd be like. And so um, later on, as, as you're younger, you, you'd be driving in the car and you may, it's, it's ugly, but you may see somebody that might be homeless. And then as friends, you'd be like, hey, Miss So-and-so, which, you know, we, we would equate that person with that person's mother. I don't know if you, you know what I'm saying, like a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because of how she came to pick us up. And so we we make all kinds of fun about people that, oh, there's your mom right there. There's your dad. So, you know, those things can Mm -hmm. stay with kids when they're just like, just don't embarrass me. They hope they're, imagine this, kids today hope that their parents don't embarrass them. And Mm -hmm. at our age, the parents are like, you better not embarrass me out here. (laughs) I'll Mm -hmm. snatch you up. But now today the kids have enough uh, audacity to tell their parents, don't embarrass me. In front of my yeah. Class, right? <laughs> see, I am. I am really. See, I, I probably would not be a good parent right about now because, as much as I hated some of the stuff, you know, I always thought my parents, especially my mom, was real strict. Uh, mm-hmm. I probably would be just like her right about now, and I would probably get mm-hmm. in trouble. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who's the parent? Uh, you know, That's right. Who's running That's the right. show? You know, so. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We are here with uh, Dr. Kenneth Sean Chaplin of John Carroll University. We're talking about uh, fatherhood. Father's Day is coming up Sunday. If you have questions or comments, stories you want to share, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple, dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720, Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We're here talking fatherhood with Dr. Kenneth Sean Chaplin. And the number, if you have questions, comments, stories you want to share, 516-387-1944. What type of Dr. Chaplin, what type of things do you think that uh women miss with regards to uh the challenges of fatherhood? Or what do you think that they don't get or understand? What do you wish that women would uh in your opinion? <laughs> okay. Well I I'll tell you from my, my personal experience, um with my wife and uh, perhaps uh, my two sisters, their aunties, and my mother, their grandmother, some of the the things that they tend to be more in tune with are how the children are doing in terms of socially and emotionally, right? Uh, how they grow in terms of their ability to articulate themselves, use their words, and kind of uh, explain their emotions. That 
that is uh, that is important to me, but um, getting them to perform certain things is probably perhaps where my focus is on uh, as a father, right? Giving them instruction and for them to be obedient. So I I appreciate their focus, but I think that the, what they might miss is the idea of me at times not wanting to explain and wanting them to obey, right? Um, because, uh, you know, obey your parents and the Lord and all of these other things. It's important without understanding. Um, they have to um, they have to obey me, and, and I desire for them to obey me more in faith and in good standing as opposed to mommy says not to do that because if you do that, you'll get hurt. Auntie, auntie says not to do that because look what might happen. Daddy says don't do it, period. Now, I'm not going to tell you why, and I don't want you to find out why, but I'll tell you no, and then something will happen. I'll be like, didn't daddy tell you not to do that? I don't want to tell them don't do this because this will happen or this might happen because if they don't do it because they foresee an obstacle or a difficulty, if they can begin to rationalize around that and why they want to do something, then they'll be like, oh, I see that obstacle, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I say, you know, I say to my wife, to my mother, if you tell them no, not to do it, they should uh, sort of, follow your leadership, follow your instruction, because the minute you begin to explain, you're into a situation of rebuttal and compromise. Right? So I said, I'm not arguing with these little boys. I said, listen, put your shoes on. You don't want to put your shoes on, let's go outside. Oh, Daddy, there's something in my foot. I said, Daddy told you to put your shoes on. Now, if Daddy told you put your shoes on and something's going to get into your foot, you're like, oh, no, 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 nothing's going to get into my foot, Daddy. I'll be okay. Oh, oh! So you you know you're gonna be okay. Oh, okay, now now we negotiating why you're not gonna put your shoes on, <laughs> right? I'm I'm not negotiating. Put your shoes on. Period. That's it. That's it. I don't want you to know why you have to put your shoes on. And if you find out why you should have put your shoes on, that in itself is a lesson of why you should have put your shoes on, right? So uh, I don't know if um, if it's if it's a little bit more clear t- to me. With my instruction, it may come off even much more harsh, much more dogmatic, but just small little things like that where I say, Daddy says you should do this. If you do something else, you will find the lesson through the pain. I don't want you to find that lesson, but I don't want you to think you can go around that lesson because, oh, I can avoid that pain. I can avoid that obstacle because now we open a conversation about every time I say not to do something, uh, you want to know why you shouldn't do it, and you're ready to argue about why you can do it and why you can overcome uh, that barrier. So, um, so that, that's probably we something. We, struggled, I, we probably would have struggled. <laughs> does it make sense? Because I'm the why. This is why I'm here asking questions, because I'm the why girl. <laughs> you got to tell me why, but why? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, and I say you're gonna find out why. Go go ahead, do it. You're gonna find out why. And then, you know, at a certain point, uh, as we all reflect on our life, we like, why why you ain't tell me not to go to this college? Why you ain't tell me to go to that college? And the, our parents tell us, be like, that's what you wanted to do, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, all those whys, 
and all of your uh, desires to follow your individual desires, you are the product of your own destiny, of your own determination. So, you know, as we get older, it's like, you know, I'd say, Mom, why you ain't telling me to go over here? And my mom and dad would be like, well, we would have told you to go over here if we knew, but we ourselves mm-hmm. didn't know, so we couldn't give you that guidance. So those are also lessons in learning. As we get older, we look at our parents and we understand their capacities and their ability to be in networks or not, their ability to know things or not, and we have to respond even to our parents with grace and patience knowing that our parents loved us. Our parents did everything they could for us. If they knew better, they would have done better. If they didn't know, they can't be held accountable for things that they were not aware of, the things they did not know. So, And, again, back, circling back to that lesson with my young boys, uh, you know, they're not trying to rebel. They're unaware of things. So to hold them accountable and to punish them for certain things, that they're unaware of. Uh, they're simply exploring the world, and you know, I, I, I have to constantly tell myself they're just—they're not rebelling against my authority. Mm-hmm. They don't know that if you put that in your mouth, it's going to shock you. They don't know. I mean, of course, they wouldn't do that if they know that that's what's going to happen, right? They wouldn't do that, mm-hmm. but they don't know. They don't know, and they're just putting everything in their mouth, right? So it's kind of like, oh uh, yeah, taste, touch. Sight, sound, they're experiencing their senses. So um, that's the one thing. Um, I would tell you something else that, that they may they may miss is um, how to say that the omnipresent desire of me as a father to to be able to provide for them not just now but in the future, and to protect them, not just now, but in the future. That's, that's mm-hmm. not something that I ever shy away from. So of, of my wife and I, I am by far the, the more cautious because I say, oh, they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do this. They, you know, and I'll just kind of watch. And she's like, just let them do certain things. I said, there are repercussions for those choices that they're making, and I don't want them to feel free they can make all of their choices. So uh, in consistent with the other thing that I say, no, you shouldn't do that. That's part of the provision and protection of my, my role and my leadership. So uh, even she is like, well, why shouldn't they do that? And I look at her, I say, I'll tell you later, sweetheart. <laughs> well, we're not, we not going to do that right now. We're not going to do that right now in front of them. I'll say they shouldn't do that. And I'll tell you later why they shouldn't do that. Uh, so, and then, and she does it to me too. Like, why can't they do this? And I'm like, um, so she's right sometimes. I can let them do certain things, and, you know, I'm being too overly protective. Another time, she's like, all right, yeah, I didn't see that. I'm like, yeah, it's the first thing I saw. So, um, but it is a balancing well, act. Um, well, let me ask you this. Um, if, just say if, they did everything that you told them to do, or if they didn't do the stuff that, you know, that you told them not to do or whatever. I guess what my concern is that when they do come into adulthood and they face adversity because they follow the rules up and up through adulthood, isn't, isn't, isn't that kind of 
aren't you kind of shielding them from being able to, to uh, you know, buffet some of the, you know, or repel some of the adversity or, or at least manage some of that adversity when they get older? Yeah, uh, yeah that makes, that's a good point. I, I don't know. I, I haven't gotten that far with uh, with fatherhood and figured out that if I've provided it and protected for them enough to where they're spoiled or they go off to college as a freshman and all of a sudden they drinking and partying and get a DUI, you know, all of those things as a rebellion against the structure that I'm trying to provide. So it's quite possible that I could do that. But, uh, you know, it, I'm trying to balance. I'm trying to protect them without hindering their sense of self, their growth of person and personality. I'm considering all of those things within, again, the structure of their physical safety and then, of course, secondary their socio-emotional and spiritual safety. So, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to raise kids that will just at 18 say, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about, and rebel against all of my training. Uh, mm-hmm. But even as I have grown up, uh, grown up in the church with my mother and my father, having had spiritual training from young, uh, that kind of foundation doesn't go away. It's, it has mm-hmm. become a patterned way of thinking among myself and my siblings and, of course, my parents. So when we get together, uh, my older sister, my younger sister, my mother, we all think in a like-minded way that is undergird by, again, our biblical foundation. So while we may disagree or have dissimilar views on certain things, it's never based upon, an, uh, how do you say, um, an obvious objection of some sort of a moral infraction. It's more of the nuances of, okay, well, which is the better choice here or what, what should we do here? So we're by far on a consistent, morally sound, and we have very little um, moral compromises when we get together. So all of that is important in the way in which we have begun to think about ourselves and uh, getting into relationships beyond our nuclear family, that when we get together, our nieces and nephews and my children, they can all see why mom and dad, or why dad and dad's sisters, their aunties, why we all think the same way and why we all understand things the same way. So it's that kind of foundation that I, I don't want to depart from them. Uh, and, again, the idea of instruction early on with care and protection. If they understand daddy cares for them, daddy loves them, daddy wants to provide for them, daddy wants to give them the best, daddy wants to protect them, if they believe that and have faith in that, then it's easier, I would imagine it would be easier for them to follow instruction knowing that all of this is in my best interest. So uh, I don't know. I'm doing my best right now. So That's all we, you can do. That's all we can do. We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. That's right. And, so. and sometimes, you know, you just got to, as you go, you know, you might have to just modify the plan as you go just to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> make sure make sure that uh you know things are are going in the right path so mm-hmm. anyway we're we're gonna take our final break and if you have questions or comments about you know mm-hmm. stories about your father, stories about you 
being a father, fathers that you know, ladies, you're welcome to share the stories and join the conversation, 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, before, we're going to uh, resume our talk with uh, Dr. Kenneth John Chaplin, but before we do that, just wanted to let you know, uh, w- one thing I came across, uh, AMC Theaters uh, celebrating uh, Juneteenth this week by uh, they're featuring a couple of, they brought back a couple of uh, movies. Um, one that I mentioned to you all, I've seen it twice, uh, Chevalier, if you did not see that, um, that's a good time to go see it for five bucks. Um, another movie, uh, A Thousand and One, which I did not get get a chance to see, so I'm glad they're bringing that back. Um, so if both of those are at AMC for five bucks, uh, yeah, I, I know it sounds like I'm advertising, but you know, some, sometimes some things are worth just kind of taking a, a another look at. So, um, like I said, I do plan on going to see A Thousand and One. I may go see Chevalier again, but um, you know, just wanted to throw that out there. I know there's a lot of Juneteenth activities coming up, but this is one I thought maybe you all might want to take advantage of, especially since you can't really go to the movies for five dollars. Uh, unless you go into the dollar theater, which I do also. But, yeah, I wanted to make sure you all knew about that. Dr. Chaplin. Okay. Yes. Now, I know what you said. Yeah, and you got the, the young kids, so, you know, you're good with the ties and argyle, argyle socks. <laughs> I, you know, but just just curious, though, in, in terms of buying gifts for men in general, because um, I know I just, I don't know it's a hit or miss thing for me, but I, I keep blaming it on the fact that my husband's a Gemini, so I just <laughs> I, I, I just uh, the know, twins, like you okay, the twins it's, out. <laughs> it's just one of those moments, you know. It's like, going, okay, we'll try this, you know, and, and see if that works, <laughs> um, you know, because he says he's very practical and then you know so i you know then then other days he he kind of wants to do something different but so i'm just curious uh in terms of you know trying to figure out uh the psyche of a man in terms of gifts you got any pointers <laughs> uh I, w- I would say the older men get if if women are really looking at them uh, I think that we're much more predictable creatures than we're given credit for. And uh, mm-hmm. if there's if there's something that he wants, he, he will usually tell you. Um, if he's if he's uh, a kind of uh, man like I am, 
Father's Day is a beautiful day to spend with your family and reflect on your family. If we want mm-hmm. something on a Tuesday, we'll get it on a Tuesday. <laughs> right? It's, you know, it's, uh, we don't have to wait until Father's Day for the gifts. We simply right. we like we like the appreciation. Um, I will tell you more than gifts. Uh, we would like help. We'd like help. So, um, if um, you said, Dan, I got the okay. car washed and I, I cleaned out the car. That's okay. something. Say, tell, us, tell us what help is like because, you know, a lot of times we think that we're helping. Okay. Um, like If he says, okay, so, Dad, what do you have to do Saturday? Oh, well, I got to go get the light bulb. You know, the light went out in the basement and I got to fix a fuse. And if those things are done, are some things that he has prioritized, then you've mm-hmm. now given him an opportunity to say, I look and I see what you value. I see what you're focused on. I see what you're trying to do. And I've jumped in line and I've taken care of those things. Let me tell you, there's nothing like a father who has a, 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 a little bit of space to do nothing. When every, So at every moment, a lot of fathers, they can go to Home Depot because something needs fixing. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Something something needs something needs fixing. Something whether it's a, something on the car, something on the house, and mm-hmm. Saturdays, uh, Home Depot is filled with a lot of men, particularly a lot of fathers, painting mm-hmm. something, fixing something outside, picking up a part, picking up a doorknob, picking up a, some electrical, you know, working on something. If you jump in front of those needs, then you see him. And you see what he's doing, and you've helped him, right? So, the the gifts, the socks, the the, the shirts, and the stuff. Sometimes, so my I'll tell you, so my mother and my father, my mother, from what I heard, uh, she got my father a razor uh, when they were married in Jamaica. She got him an electric razor, and it was a whole set, and. Uh, he kept it for years, years. I mean, I was well into my 20s, and it was in the bottom of his drawer in the dresser, even when we had moved to America from Jamaica. And I was like, what is this? It's all brown. It's sort of, you know, when stuff is white, it fades and it becomes discolored. Mm-hmm. And I found out it was, it was an old electric razor, and she got it for him as a wedding gift. He never used it. He never had any use for it, but it meant something to him because he kept it for all those years. And um, it was important. It was an important thing that he kept, uh, of course, to commemorate the day. But the utility of it was off. So while I may get shirts and ties from my boys as they get older, they may not fit me. They might have been on sale. There might be an odd color or you know, some patchwork on the, on, on the clothing. I'll keep those and I'll put them away and I'll remember them for the intention. But as a, mm. as a practical matter, there's certain ties I'll never wear. <laughs> I'll never wear. And, and because okay. they don't go with anything. They don't go with, and they're mm-hmm. hideous. But the intention in which it was given uh, means more, means much more. So um, if, if you're looking uh, as a spouse to get something for your husband or looking to get something for your father, Look and see what they're working on. Look and see what they need and how you can help them more than any other material gift. What can you jump in front of and say, I'm watching you, I see you, 
I took care of that for you. Um, mm-hmm. To me, that's okay. okay. You see me. You see what I'm doing, right? So, and, and can, okay. can can you imagine if if your spouse is looking at you and knows that there's certain things that you do on certain days, and he's like, uh, "Sweetheart, yeah, I, I went ahead. I got your frappe right here, and uh, I got the Target gift card. When you go over there, um, could you just take this back? But you know, you can spend time. And the girls are going out here tonight. I told them." It was your birthday, so y'all meeting up over here at your restaurant for this. If he took care of all those things, you'd be like, you did that for me. So you see what I like. You see, oh, you understand what I'm doing, and you you know my drink, and you know where I like to go. And, okay, I, I appreciate that you see who I am and what I like to do, right? So mm-hmm. he, he may not have to give you an expensive piece of jewelry if he got all your girls together at a favorite restaurant, and it was a surprise. We're just going to eat. We're just going to talk. You're like, I appreciate that. Right? You know, I guess the older I get, the less of the material things I'm looking at because I'm providing those things for myself. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the other things that are, uh, you know, the, okay. Uh, you, you know where I'm at mentally. You know what I like. You know what, I, uh, you know what I, I'm doing. You know what needs help on as I'm fixing up things and doing things. All of those things, uh, you know, are help. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a little, a little more help for me. Mm-hmm. Much less gifts, much less gifts, but much more. I think for men, uh, in some ways, they desire to be known. Uh, there's okay. a deep desire to be known. Uh, okay. So just, just more of an effort to be, be seen. Um, mm-hmm. To be heard, to be yeah. listened to, to be understood. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. All right. right. That's that's all appreciation, right? Yeah. So happy Father's okay. Day or or happy Spouse <laughs> Day or you know whatever. Yeah. To to, to yeah. be known more, to be known more, to be understood more, to be uh, to be recognized for your value, right? Uh, I think that gets to the core of celebrating. Someone, particularly as it falls on Father's Day, what it means to be a father has to be tied to how do we celebrate fatherhood? What does it mean for this man who goes to work every day, comes home tired? What does it mean for him when he comes home, falls asleep on the couch, and then he comes in and he sees a lazy boy, and he's like, oh, this is, you know, I never even thought about this. You're like, well, you always sleeping on the couch in your clothes. I figured, you know be nice for you to sleep in this chair because, you know, you, you fall asleep coming home from work all the time. I see you tired. <laughs> right? Mm. And he might be like, okay. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. You're like, well, I think about it because you go to work every day and you fall asleep with your clothes on when you get home. And so it be nice to have a softer, come more comfortable place to fall asleep if that's what you're going to do. Right? So, yeah. Well, God, thanks so much for taking the time out today, and uh, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day and many more to come. And all of you gentlemen out there, happy Father's Day, and uh, we'll talk again soon. I, you, you know, I'm going to bring you back for something. So. All right. Thank you so much, Jay. Good thanks. talking with you. Take care. Be well. Good all talking right, with care. you, too. And thank all you all right. for listening tomorrow, uh, Wellness Wednesday with Dr. Kaiwan Tillman. He's going to be on. And so make sure you tune in. This has been G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, 
All real power comes from God. Take care. <laughs>